Welcome to the Innovative Accountant Podcast, presented by Integrated Advisory. Join your host, CPA, Tim Coquell, as he explores thought-provoking ideas, information, and best practices from leading experts focused on supporting the accounting profession and the integrated advisory community. Here's your host, Tim Coquell. Welcome back to the Innovative Accountant Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Coquell. And I'm excited to have our guest, Karen Bowen, join, join us from Kelowna, BC today. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. Thank you so much, Tim. Yeah, I, I bet, you know, I, we, we met probably a couple of months ago, and I bet that when we met on a plane coming from Kelowna to Calgary that you didn't be, think you'd be sitting in a podcast with me here today. <laughs> you are indeed correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, I always find, you you know, in life, if you kind of stay open to meeting new people and opportunities. Yeah. You kind of you kind of get surprised with some unique things that happen. So it was a pleasure to meet you. You know, getting to know you even on the plane, I could tell you were so relaxed, easy to talk to, high level of emotional intelligence, which <laughs> is the theme of today. We're going to be talking about uh, emotional intelligence and leadership in businesses. And we've got the absolute perfect guest uh, with Karen here today, for our audience that's listening, um, lots of experience helping businesses and, and coaching them with uh, EI, EQ, training programs, and uh, we're going to dig into a, a lot of great questions here today. Um, you know, we're going to answer some questions that, you know, t what is emotional intelligence compared to, say, IQ, other things? Um, what does emotionally intelligent leadership look like? How is a person's emotional intelligence measured, tracked? Is emotional intelligence innate? Can it be taught? I'm hopeful that it can be, Karen, because I need a little help in some of those areas, <laughs> as we all do. Uh, how does emotionally intelligent leadership or lack thereof impact an organization? So I think that's probably going to be one of the key takeaways is why is this so important for leaders in a business to get this right? Um, yeah, and, and what uh, can businesses do to support the growth in those areas? And mm -hmm. obviously, you've had a ton of experience uh, in that regard. So are, you think mm -hmm. we can tackle that today, Karen? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to rock. Ready to Let's go. see how we get through this. Yeah. Awesome. So maybe, maybe we'll just start with you've had, you know, a 25 plus year, year of experience in this area from leadership consultant, uh, specializing in emotional intelligence. How did you get involved in this business? Let's maybe go back to the beginning. Tell us how your careers kind of evolved and yeah. why, why you're here uh, today as a, as a specialist in that area. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Yeah, it's funny because I get asked this question often and I always, I, my answer often is uh, I tried to quit this field a few times and it kept finding me. You know, I, yeah. I, so I grew up in financial services, worked in back, back office of banks, payroll, and said no and then got into training and found my passion with working with people and developing them and started as a technical trainer decided it's not what i want to do and then i found myself back in the role uh did some writing and really the common themes throughout my career i kept coming back to i i keep just these roles or opportunities find me where i have an opportunity to connect with people and learn with people so I don't know that I had a path that I saw my steps, uh, but I knew when I was on the path and I knew I had the right path. Uh, supplemented that with formal education, couple of undergrads degrees, and I have a master's in leadership as well. And really, you know, the list of certifications I say that you would probably expect someone 
to have. Uh, I find now if I list them, I just feel old rather than wise because I think <laughs> I've just been alive a while to collect all these certifications. But it's it's definitely been a field that's been a constant focus and fascination for me for really not just in career, but in life as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Going through your bio, obviously no shortage of uh, experience and training there. And <laughs> and uh, but but EI is an interesting one, right? So mm -hmm. there's lots of things on your in your bio and your resume that show uh, show experience in consulting and coaching and leadership. But what yeah. drew you to sort of specialize in emotional intelligence? Well, it really was. I think again, it's such a foundational aspect of everything for me: leadership, management, people skills life skills, uh, self-care skills. Like I just find the, the broad application and relevance of emotional intelligence, the aspects of training, the development was applicable across all areas of life, career, work, family. So it, it just really was an area that no matter what I was talking about, there was always an element. You know, if I'm teaching communication skills, there's an element of EI or emotional intelligence. I'm teaching conflict where you have to have EI to be, you know, the most effective. Resilience is an emotional intelligence skill. Like everything I found myself continuously talking about had these such strong li links into emotional intelligence as well. So just it kind of made sense to have that as a focus. Uh, and then with all the, like, if you're a pitcher, a wagon wheel, you know, the center is the emotional intelligence. And then the spokes are the other mm -hmm. skills of leadership and management and life that, that are applicable. Yeah. We're, we're going to get into how that's evolved. Cause I'm assuming when you started at the beginning of your career, there might not a lot, been a lot of research in that. And it wasn't maybe the, the testing systems and things maybe weren't quite what they are today. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there in a moment. Um, <laughs> But I want to let's let's come back. So flashing forward to where you are today, you're a senior partner of EQ, the EQ Development Group. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about how you founded that, uh, your team, um, yeah, and what mm -hmm. what they're up to today. Yeah, well, we're I, I mean very super blessed to be able to you know have formed this amazing organization with an amazing team. So it's myself and my business partner. We founded it together. His name is Drew Bird, and you know, he was really my mentor and my master trainer in emotional intelligence. So we worked together many, many years. I was developing my business. He was developing his. And then we realized really just before the pandemic hit that, you know, as we both got busier, we were connecting less rather than mm -hmm. more. And we had an epiphany that if we come together, I think we can build something great as a partnership. So we incorporated EQ development group at that time. Yeah. Very exciting. Mm -hmm. And so the team consists of you and I, I know you're, you're, you're traveling, you're working. That's what we met on a plane. <laughs> yeah. You seem to be all over the place and meet with lots of different types of clients. So yeah. maybe talk a little bit about that. What types of businesses do you work with and leadership, leadership groups do you work with? Um, and then we can mm -hmm. get into a little bit of what services you're providing to them. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm, I think one of the reasons we really appreciate emotional intelligence back to that broader application is we do have some natural niches and businesses and industries that have emerged throughout our career, uh, likely linked to our um, 
organizational acumen in different areas. So we do a lot of work in healthcare. I do a lot of work with physicians and clinical and administrative teams in healthcare. We're solidly in academia, uh, secondary level, post-secondary uh, level academia. We do a ton of work into municipalities as well. Uh, and you know, having said that, then we also do the one-offs. We work with smaller companies because really emotional intelligence doesn't belong to an industry. It right. belongs to any industry. So people say, what industry do you specialize in? And I'm like, all of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, with those, of course, those uh, niches emerging. IT tech industry is another one that based on our background, both Drew and I you know, grew up in our careers in the technological aspect of industry as well. So, you know, healthcare, academia, municipality industries, I say would be our four main, but we really work with just such a broader way of companies that, and small companies yeah. up to large, like I think some of the companies you worked with have had thousands of thousands of yes. people. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. So I mean, really. Any, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, whether you have, we need emotional intelligence. We're a company of you know five uh, with our sub, and that broader with our coaches and consultants we partner with, up to twenty five thousand. You all need emotional intelligence. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah, basically, and, and that was what I was just going to say too. Is basically any company that has teams <laughs> that, yeah. that need to work together <laughs> and people need to work together to accomplish yeah. things. It, it's applicable yeah. to pretty much everything. So Absolutely. that's fantastic. I, I did note looking through your bio, you know, obviously, we're this is the Innovative Account Podcast. We've got a lot of <laughs> accounting community listeners in our yeah. network. And uh, I did note that you'd worked with Crow Mackay, and uh, we've mm -hmm. had some discussions with them in the last year or so. And yeah. obviously a large accounting organization in Canada and around the world for that matter. Um, tell me a little bit about what that was like working with mm -hmm. an accounting uh, group and, and kind of how you fit into their story. Yeah. Well, without giving away trade secrets yeah. and violating client confidentiality, yeah. of course it, it was in the realm of EQ. We talked about EQ. We talked about resilience. Uh, I was given the opportunity to be another colleague. So I was extremely grateful for that. And you know, it was a fun room. Like, I, I, I actually quite liked it. Uh, full disclosure, you know, my mother's an accountant, my husband's an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I have an affinity for it uh, as well. Yeah. Definitely not skill, but affinity. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I really appreciate, appreciate the, the analytical lens of I want to understand the importance of the why, but mm. the what was also appreciated. Yeah, so I good. enjoy that. I like it when people challenge the concepts and say, but let's get yeah. to the practical. What does this mean? Like, this is all good, but what am I supposed to do tomorrow? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah no, that's, that's refreshing great. to hear. There's often some accounting mm -hmm. stereotypes that float around. I actually think accountants are pretty, pretty highly emotional, intelligent, but uh, always curious to see how, how that goes. And, yeah. you know, obviously building resilient organizations is really, really important. So, yeah. yeah um, you know, I guess wrapping a bit of this up, you know, what would you consider the unique value of working with, with your company um, for, for the businesses that are choosing you? Like what, what's that sort of unique uh, ability you guys have? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I, I think, I think the biggest thing, so our vision, we recently walked through our own strategic planning process and our vision at EQ development group is trusted partners, positive impact. And I really think that is our defining factor as well. We are about relationship with our clients. 
we're collaborative and we hold ourselves to such a high standard of quality we want to blow our clients away in every interaction not just meet the bare minimum requirements uh, we do not pre-bill unless it's agreement with the client we invoice when you're happy and when we consider that you know that piece might be complete but the partnership continues so most of our business if not all is built on repeat and referral that's how we've grown over the last 10 years between us and and i think that speaks for itself is we want to be easy to work with our only goal and our only interest is what works and what's going to provide the most value to our clients no that's perfect i did and not a surprising answer that you're kind of teaching them how to build better relationships with emotional intelligence and you're in the relationship <laughs> yeah. business yourself so that's fantastic mm -hmm. um let's let's jump in and let's let's talk you know we we, we hear a lot these days about ei eq uh, some would suggest they're, they're trendy buzzwords, uh, you know, for organizations and leadership today. How, how do you respond to that? Where, where do you think this fits? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the fluffy stuff, right? Oh, one of these fluffy seminars. Uh, <laughs> but there is a hard ROI. So often when we run a workshop, we, we open it up with, you know, Think of your gold standard of leadership. Envision a leader that positively impacted you in your career or life and name some of the characteristics. And what we see as characteristics are, they were supportive. I trusted them. They believed in me. They positively reinforced me. I felt valued. We had a good relationship. Those are the adjectives and, and, and they were empathetic. They were compassionate. These are the adjectives that come up. We don't get things like, you know, well, they had my timesheet submitted on time. So when mm -hmm. we open with that activity, it's like, these are all aspects of leadership that allow you to build that connectivity with your team and their soft skills right. and their emotional intelligence. Each one of them can be mapped across some of the aspects of emotional intelligence. It is absolutely critical for leadership. And you don't always know when someone has it, but you know when someone doesn't. Well, and, and most most people know that a lot of people leave companies because of their manager, who they report to, right? So most a lot of that yeah. is going to be tied to what you just said. If they're doing the exact mm -hmm. opposite of everything you said, chances are mm -hmm. they're not going to be happy people. Yeah. Well, and uh, you leave your manager, not your organization. And if you really connect with your leader, you there's an ask. There's there's something called discretionary effort, right? And this is the effort that as team members and employees we put in that's over and above we do that for leaders we like mm -hmm. we don't exactly. do that for leaders we dislike yeah yeah which is uh really important and so mm -hmm. so let's talk let's define this a little bit like we've got iq we've got aq i think i heard that term <laughs> talking to you we have pq yeah. <laughs> which is positive intelligence we've got yes. emotional intelligence so there's all these pieces of a person that we're trying to measure and analyze. What, yeah. what, how do you define in your company, how do you define emotional intelligence and, and EQ as it relates to leadership? What, what's your definition of that? Well, really, the definition we use with our clients is it's the set of skills that allow you to, again, we're not interested in, you know, high, low, good, bad. We're interested in effectiveness. So how do you be the most effective you can be at a leader? 
and emotional intelligence as related to leadership is the ability or the effectiveness to which you use your understanding of emotional information such as self-awareness, how you express yourself, how you build relationships, how you manage stress, how you cope, and how you make decisions. All of these are critical aspects of leadership, and they're directly tied with understanding and ability to be effective in your emotional intelligence around those areas. No, that's a, that's a perfect summary and kind of making it concise about how they're uh, interacting, making decisions, mm -hmm. managing stress, all yeah. of those things. So, so with that definition in mind, how, how has that evolved? You've been at this a while. What is the, what has that evolved as a, as a, as a specialty? Has the testing changed a lot over the years? Is it kind of what it was the same 10 years ago? Mm -hmm. Has it evolved a lot? How do we measure it? How do we track it? Just kind of talk yeah. a little bit about what, what that looks like today. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's obviously multiple emotional intelligence assessments, which is the measurement of, of EI, which is your EQ. Just like cognitive intelligence is measured by IQ, emotional mm -hmm. intelligence is measured by your EQ. Uh, there's a myriad of assessments on the market. Um, Goldman is a pioneer in the area of emotional intelligence. Uh, there is a version there. There's new ones emerging. Uh, we specifically use from multi-health systems, we use the EQI and the EQ360 model of emotional okay. intelligence. Uh, it has undergone, again, multiple iterations. It is a level B psychometric test, which what that means is it's rigorously researched. It's proven validity and reliability in its results and to be able to use the assessments, you have to take a minimum number of learning hours and pass an exam with a minimal level to be able to state that I can work with clients on this assessment. So it's very rigorous. Um, and again, in terms of research, it's valid, it's uh, reliable, and it's a reliable measurement of your emotional intelligence. Now the key is, in measure and most assessments, I won't get into the other ones, but uh, emotional intelligence is a state-based measure, which means it doesn't necessarily rate my my ability to be emotionally intelligent. The assessments we use rate my emotional intelligence in that given moment, if that makes any okay. sense. So if I'm going through a life crisis, I may show up differently than... Yeah. It can change. Not. Yeah. So it's it's called a state-based measure. Okay. And so the, then obviously the importance of being able to measure that throughout your life or over time as a leader in a company and how you're sort of continue you're, you're getting better and dealing yeah, with Yeah, you it, can no develop. Matter. Yeah, because the goal has got to be, I'm guessing, that you want to be able to, no matter what your state is, you're going to do a better job responding to the environment. Yeah, or learn coping mechanisms and through your own understanding of self and how you interact and connect with others. And mm -hmm. for instance, just learning about how emotions impact decision making allows me to be a more effective decision maker. Right. Whereas before, if I didn't know that, I may not even have realized I was making an emotional decision versus an effective decision. Right. In which takes into account emotions. Can you give uh, so, me an example of that? 
Can you give me an example of how a certain emotion affects maybe and leads to a bad? I think we all have examples, but in the workplace yeah. and in a leadership capacity, maybe share share an example just to put it into context. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, sometimes you might look at objective data and say, okay, pro-con list, right? There's more pros, so we do it. And you make a decision based on that and it's not adopted mm -hmm. because you haven't accounted for the emotional piece of how that decision might impact people. So this right. is that sometimes that you related to change management, you know, the change is a change. It was this way. It's now going to be this way. It's a transition piece of, well, it just makes sense. Why aren't people doing this? Right. Because there is an emotional aspect of all of this. So understanding that, you know, how are, how are people going to be impacted? How do emotions impact how I make decision-making? Um, I know for me personally, I had an experience where, uh, I won't get into it, but it was a situation where I recognized in the moment that the pressure was being put on me and the desire was that I was fearful. So that I would, you know, sign the dotted line because I was in this fearful position. And so just understanding that knowledge in the moment allowed me to say, I understand, thank you for the information. I recognize that I'm fearing fearful in this moment and I'm not going to be able to make an effective decision. So I'm not going to sign today. Right, right. That makes sense. That's a great example. The, the, let's go back to the testing a little bit here and talk about, you know, cause I, I don't think I've, I've never, I've done a lot of different testing from Colby to print to mm -hmm. strength, Clifton strength finders, yep. all these different, whether it's Myers Briggs or, mm -hmm. so you've talked about the 360 and the tools you do. Yeah. I'm curious, like, what does that test look like? Like how, what kind of questions oh, are you asking? Okay. How do you yeah. actually, how do you actually test that with somebody? Are you giving them sort of examples of things and they got to see, and you see how they respond to it or like, how do you get <laughs> to the bottom of that? Is it them self-assessing themselves? Is it groups, mm -hmm. other people? Yeah, yeah well, it's, it's, it's a great question. And we work in all of those other ones, by the way, that you mentioned, yeah. uh, depending on the client and their needs. But we, we actually call the EQI and the EQ360, the tool we use, an assessment, not a test. Because okay. it isn't about testing your levels of, of EQI. It's a self-assessment. So it is yourself. And it's funny how many clients forget this. You know, they'll get the results and be like, why did I score so low? And I'm like, well, that was you that scored yourself that way, yeah. right? Because the second we say test, it creates this um, vulnerability and anxiety that can sometimes get in the way. So it is literally 144. We call them items, not questions, just to, again, stay away from the test realm. 144 items. And what it's asking you to do across 144 items is to kind of say, this is most like me, least my, like me. So it may give you a scenario, you know, um, I'm not pulling the actual assessment items here, but, you know, yeah. I find myself um, being, I find my decisions derailed by the emotions I might feel. That's not one of the items, but I might say a lot like me, not like me at all. Right. Um, it also has built in questions that specifically rate uh, happiness. So your general well-being, and it also has because of the uh, uh, validity and reliability, it has items that 
are only in there just to make sure you're not like overly negative or overly positive and that you're consistent in your answers. Meaning that, you know, if you said, Karen, are you happy all the time? And I said, always. And then you said, you have sad days. And I said, always, it would be like, wait, 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 that doesn't compute. Yeah, it's going to catch it. Yeah. Yeah. So it has those checks and balances built in, but is a 144 item self assessment. If you do a 360, it would be your perspective. And then you would ask other people to write you across the mm -hmm. same 144 item assessment. So I can see like uh, my self-assessment is how I think I show up. <laughs> my rater assessment is how I actually show up according yeah. to their version of me anyway. Yeah, super interesting. I, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a lot different than, you know, doing an assessment and it's like you're a quick start with Colby and so you adapt quickly <laughs> yeah. to things or yeah. you're a fact find and you like yeah. data like pe people hearing that and learning those things it's, it's not overly personal it's you know mm -hmm. they, they can kind of you know process it I think pretty quickly um, mm -hmm. but how does EI go like I, I'm assuming you're getting into some sensitive personal areas of how people react to the world mm -hmm. and whether they get angry or they get they overreact or do things like that. How, how, how are, how are the tests received like on the end? And when you go and sit down with leaders and you got to go back through whether it's their self-assessment or more challenging yet, how a group mm -hmm. sees them, if there's blind spots, like mm -hmm. these gotta be tricky areas. So just share some of your experience with that. Yeah, uh, thank you. So the again, the model we use, you get your self uh, assessed emotional intelligence rated across five general areas, which we call composites. So it's self perception, how do I see myself? Self expression, how do I express myself? Interpersonal, which is how I build relationships, decision making, you know, how I make decisions, and my stress management. Then within each one of those, I won't go through all these, don't worry, there's three. So you actually get a rating or a self-assessment score across 15 different aspects of emotional intelligence. Uh, it can be a very vulnerable, vulnerable examination. Uh, again, some people get really attached to the scores. I was low. I was high. And you have to remind it's not really about the score. It's about how things interact and balance. So you and have to manage so the, their emotional intelligence when you deliver yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, you really do. So we do a couple of yeah. specific things to protect people. If we're working with a team, we actually very intentionally do not ask anyone to share results. So if you've done Myers Briggs, and I do it, so it's not a criticism, I think it's fun, but you kind of do that. Everybody's going to agree to share, right? And then you sort yeah. into groups, and I'm, I'm a J and I'm an I, and all this stuff. Well, for emotional intelligence, we say, very specifically, please do not share. Because mm -hmm. even if you're comfortable in sharing, it can create a dynamic where other people feel like they should. And our, our only, again, goal is to have people be comfortable in the environment where they can learn and gain value, as well as doing some honest self-examination. Yeah. And, and I would assume that with EI and the testing that there are quite a few blind spots that people mm -hmm. have. And I yeah. would expect that that especially shows up when you're doing the 360. Yes. Is that fairly common? Yeah. In, in fact, when you do the 360, the report you get has uh, a quadrant, a four quadrant graph. 
and it shows you which areas are blind spots. Oh, Meaning yeah. I rated myself one way and my raters rated me very differently. Now that might've been mm -hmm. higher or low, we don't know, but all we know is, is like, wham, there's, you know, five areas where you and your raters disagreed. Yeah. So you're looking for ideally high alignment of agreement. And if there's disagreement or misalignment, those are often the areas which clients want to explore first. Yeah. Makes sense. So what, you know, when, in working with teams like you have for so many years, mm -hmm. what are some of the common gaps that you see? Like what are the, the top few, few sort of gaps that come out when you do these 360 assessments? Give, give us a few examples of that. Oh, that's a good one. Um, often it would be um, empathy. Mm -hmm. That's one of the 15 subscales I mentioned. You know, uh, people will uh, be surprised by a result in empathy. Uh, and again, this shows up in leadership. Um, assertiveness is another area. Now, what's important to recognize that it is it's not bad to be high in assertiveness and high in empathy. It's when they're out of balance. Meaning that if, let's say I was low in empathy and high in assertiveness and they were out of balance, that means that when I deliver my ideas, I'm not considering how other people might feel when they're receiving them. Makes sense. So it's good to be high assertive, but I got to bring my empathy up. Like, how am I interacting yeah. with people? Yeah. Problem solving is another one that can show up sometimes. Stress, especially as we navigated pandemic and post-pandemic, stress management, stress tolerance—sorry, stress tolerance, optimism, and flexibility. These are some of the subscales that I'm seeing suffering. It's almost the second pandemic of burnout. So somebody might think they're handling stress well and. Yeah. And they're good at it and others see the results of it and they're like, no. Yeah. So you're, you're yeah. Like I might be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, in both ways, Tim, like I might be like, yeah. I'm great. I'm calm, cool and collected. But you have to remember that sometimes if I'm too calm, cool and collected, my team will be like, are you even human? And no, I lose that connection. Or, yeah. 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 So it, it's not about high, low. It's about balance and impact like that's really where the powerful conversations have yeah and it's yeah. not about the score on the report always right right well the score is just the score right we got it what what are we going to do with it to improve the score exactly really the, the the value of yeah. any any type yeah. of consulting or planning so exactly let, let's let's talk about that um you know i'm kind of sold that i think ei is probably one of the biggest indicators of workplace success and performance. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can be smart and good at your, you need the skills and you need the whole package, yeah. but I got to think that EI in a workplace environment is, is probably one of the, mm -hmm. the largest contributors to somebody's career success. Would you agree? Obviously that's why you're, you're doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, again, there's so many aspects uh, tied into emotional intelligence. So I do a lot of research in the realm of happiness, for example. And there's a direct correlation between my levels of emotional intelligence and my levels of happiness. Now, the new research around, say, happiness in the workplace is happy team members are productive. They're inspiring to others. They're more effective in the work. And there's more engagement. There's more value. People are staying. So these are like hard ROI results of happiness, which is directly impacted by your level of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. 
completely. So I, I want to come back. You'd mentioned some categories, but I just want to capture them mm-hmm. a little succinctly here. So yeah. what aspects of um, EI do you think are most critical for success mm-hmm. as an employer or a leader? So I think you touched on those, but let's mm. just go back to them. What what do you see as the sort of critical emotional intelligence pieces that lead to success in an organization? Oh, that's a tough question because I'm kind of like all of them if they're out of balance. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if backed into a corner, and this is really just my opinion at this point, I think it's an ability to have an emotional self-awareness of what's going on for me. How might that impact others? Uh, there's another one that is interpersonal relationships, and that's my ability to build relationships that are characterized by trust and compassion. I think that's critical for leadership, uh, empathy, and then, of course, really the the ability to delay an impulse control and make effective decision-making through problem-solving that takes account into emotions. And... I think for me in stress management, if I had to select one of those, it would be the optimism, right? That it, it might be tough right now, but we will get through this. Mm-hmm. And there's that's a reality of, of it, but we will get through. Yeah, that that's kind of like uh, another book I read on positive intelligence. They talked about mm-hmm. the PQ and how yeah. you relate to the world positively or not and yeah. how that really affects things. So. So that, that, yeah. that's helpful. Um, it, you know, IQ, you, you hear about these tests, you're kind of born, you got high IQ. Where does EQ set from your perspective? Is it innate? Like I'm assuming there's people you meet and it just they just get it. And then there's others that don't get it. How <laughs> easy is this to teach? How much of it is innate in you as a, as, or how much is it an environmental affected do you have a sense of that just from the research and things you've looked at? Um, yeah, I mean, it's so EQ is completely developable. Uh, do I meet people where they seem like they're more naturally emotionally intelligent? Absolutely. Do I meet people that had said, oh, I've done so much training and I'm so emotionally intelligent? And you're like, really? That's not really what I'm seeing. <laughs> yes, of course you do. But it is developable, I think, in terms of how easy is it? that's directly linked to your willingness to honestly explore where you're at identify goals that are meaningful for you that and we can we give people like here's 10 things you can do to develop empathy they're very concrete what is your commitment level and willingness to put the work in right because i also believe that you know anyone can run a marathon but are you willing to do the training right you're yeah. not just going to take a wor- running workshop and then be able to run a marathon the next day. You got to put the work in. Right. So your desire to change and, and self-improve and be self-aware and all yeah. those things are part of 100%. EI as well. But um, so so you've got the assessment. You've unfold unpacked it with the person. You've yeah. you, you, what's next? Like so, how in your process? How do you take that then and turn turn that into meaningful action for people so that they can see those benefits? Well, we, whether it's one-on-one coaching or team workshops where we're using this, it concludes with concrete action planning of what we called micro resolutions, meaning doable 
concrete, you know, if you want to use the SMART objective, we say smarter and the ER is engaging and rewarding as well as specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, timely. Uh, but it yeah. really is, um, and sometimes we use what we call a one, two, three. You know, what is one thing you can do twice a day for three weeks? Or, you know, what are there three things that you can do for two weeks to develop one area of emotional intelligence? But we really get into concrete actions. We give worksheets that, you know, how do you build empathy? Well, can you pause the next time you're buying a gift for someone and really give some intent to what they might like. Oh, I can do that. Well, that will develop your empathy. It's, you know, yeah. very concrete. It's not airy fairy. And in team workshops, it's kind of a requirement. We carve out quite a bit at the end of the day to do the action planning. And then in coaching, of course, it's more of an ongoing process. So you're going to set goals, check in, measure progress against them in, con in collaboration with the client. No, that's perfect. And so, so let's talk a little bit about that with organizations. So you go into mm -hmm. some organizations that maybe aren't big enough mm -hmm. uh, to have their own internal group like this, um, I, or they're, they're, they're large, and I'm assuming you're going mm -hmm. in and you're helping coach them, and then you're kind of stepping yeah. away, and they – is that more common than, than the, the regular ongoing training that you provide? Like, what, where do mm -hmm. you – lean towards as a company? Uh, I, I think it's a both and like, I don't know that we really, cause we really do both. We do a lot okay. of um, assessment based leadership programs. Like a company might say, I have 10 leaders. I want to do EQ 360s with all of them. Okay. So we do an, an assessment and then, you know, each leader gets like three to eight coaching sessions, depending on the structure of the, the, the right. contract. We also have for example, a one-day workshop, it's called the Emotionally Effective Leader. You get an assessment, you come together in a one-day workshop, we talk about areas of leadership potential, like how you're really going to reach your leadership potential. We talk about areas that will derail your leadership, not a maybe, they will, if you're low in these areas. And then, of course, the action planning. Uh, we have a two-day workshop, which we call it the Emotionally Intelligent Organization where we incorporate emotional intelligence assessments with a, a workshop simulation of why organizational life goes the way it goes, what are the toxic patterns, and how can you start to address those and do things differently that foster a more positive culture. So those are just some of the, the areas, and I, I really think, Tim, it's, it's a both and. I don't think we dominantly work in one area. Okay. So you'll go in pretty flexibly, you'll, you'll either work with, so if an individual leader, maybe his company didn't want to do an assessment, but that individual mm -hmm. wanted to go and do some assessment work, you will work with people like that? Oh, 100%, okay. yes. So we, individuals, we, teams, mm -hmm. and companies where they want to do it for their entire leadership group, right. you'll do the assessments, step yep. away, or you'll do the assessments, and then you'll do the ongoing coaching. Yep. Do you also coach trainers? Like, do you help yeah, businesses yeah. actually get trained up or certified? Like, how, yeah. how does that part work in, in this? Yeah, so we have, we kind of have three arms of our business. The, the first arm would be corporate workshops, which is kind of what we were just describing. The second arm is we have an online platform as well, which has, uh, it's called My Leadership Hub. So you can learn about this, your own self-paced. It's all emotionally intelligence-based. And then the third sort of line of business is supporting coaches, consultants, trainers uh, in getting certified to they can then go administer these EQI assessments. So we're 
uh, master trainers at EQ Development Group. So we're oh, able to provide certification services. Very cool. You got it mm -hmm. covered. Got the basis covered. We, yeah, <laughs> we do. Yeah. So let's, so, so we've talked about, you know, what it is. Uh, we haven't, I want to get into why it's important, why it's so important in a moment, but we, we've, we've talked about that. We've talked about the assessment, some of the sensitivities around that, um, the process in terms of how you go into our organization, go through those assessments and what you do. Let, let's talk about the wins that you see come from this. Like what, what are the biggest impacts and value that's created that you've seen in companies that have gone through and done this? Um, where, where do you see those biggest impacts? Where's the ROI? Oh, well, I mean, I talked about discretionary effort already. Uh, not that you do this with an intent for people to work more, <laughs> but you know, mm -hmm. it, it really generates that productivity, effective culture, engaged workplaces, and all of those things, if you look at the research, and again, this won't be news to anyone that's listening to this, how much more it costs to retain or to re, uh, recruit versus retain so if you can retain and engage your current workforce rather than constantly having this turnover and the cost and expense of them recruiting training all of that but like that's that's huge uh i think there's a number as well that it's like last time i looked i teach this in my conflict course um, I'll, I'll deny everything if I misquote this, but I'll go with the number. I think <laughs> it's, it's okay. like three hundred and eighty billion dollars is the cost of workplace conflict in the U.S. on oh, average wow. per year. And if you train people and develop emotional intelligence, it turns conflict in organizations doesn't avoid it, but it turns it it, it creates more of a potential for it to be constructive. So mm -hmm. what are we learning? How do we collaborate? Is there a third way? Can we be innovative? So the conflict doesn't become something toxic to avoid. It becomes something that actually propels the organization forward. Uh, yeah, that's, why? That's, yeah. That's interesting. I, I um, you know, in, in looking at things again, like Colby and some of these other programs, what I've found in my experience is it kind of gives an organization a bit of a language. Like it, yeah. you know, as you start to learn about it yeah. and you share it more broadly with your team, mm -hmm. people start to kind of, you know, if there are these issues yeah. or things come back, they can go back and go, well, that's because you're a quick start yeah. team and you're chasing yeah. the squirrel. <laughs> but yeah. it gives you a bit of a language to sort of deal with some mm -hmm. of these, these potential issues or conflicts. Does the program yeah. you do kind of do some similar things to that? It helps people kind of when they have this those moments or those situations they have a bit of a language on how to process it differently yeah well, absolutely and I mean, when you look at organizational culture it's um you know authors like Ed, um, edgar shine would say things like you know how do you build culture it's artifacts which might be physical things it's common language it's making sure that what you say is important to you is demonstrated as important to you. And all of these can be based in emotional intelligence. So how do we build these ideas together? What are our common values? So uh, one of my favorite quotes from, you know, a guru of organizational culture and strategy, Peter Drucker, is that culture eats strategy for breakfast. So if yeah. you don't pay attention to the culture, it doesn't matter how effective yeah. your strategy is. Yeah, love that. Love that. And I, I think you, you guys do 
a lot of work because again going back through learning more about you it sounds as though you do a lot of work on values vision mission like yeah where does that fit into all this and how do you kind of weave ei back into all of that <laughs> uh, well really how i just described so um you know drew my business partner does as i said you know he's like my yoda for emotional intelligence so i just look up to him and and he does so much work in that area one of my niches is actually walking teams organizations through strategic planning uh where the output is a plan but where most of the time is spent is how are we connecting what's important to us how are we going to navigate conflict what are our common values are we aware of what's going on are we reality testing things how are we going to make effective decisions as a team all of this is before we even talk about, you know, what are your strategic focus areas that you might want to talk about? And, and people say like, we got this great strategic plan, but it felt like team building. So what's up with that? <laughs> yeah. So it, again, I think it just has to be the underlying, am I willing, am I flexible enough to open myself up to different ideas? How are we going to be resilient? How are we going to make sure that, you know, our plan allows us to have a path, but we mean, remain nimble at the same time. All of this is connected to aspects of emotional intelligence, problem solving, flexibility, stress tolerance, optimism, like all of these things. So, you know, it's, it's, I always struggle with the question because I, I don't know that I'm giving an articulate response, but it's so intertwined for me that it's hard for me to even separate and unpack how it's different. Because it's just part of what I do. Yeah. No, that's ex it's exciting work when you're getting into those things that are at the car core of an organization and yeah. really helping, uh, you know, focus on mm -hmm. what is most important and how they're shaping yeah. values and how they want to treat people and what mm -hmm. kind of an environment and culture they're building. That's fun stuff. It sure yeah. is. And then where are you at now, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's great. Um, you know, I, I, I want to just thank you for sharing a lot of that with me. There's uh, a lot of value in what you're doing in, in the world today and in businesses. I, I know we talked about maybe even getting you in to have a chat with our team. And although they're, <laughs> we're all a little bit like, okay, what's this going to mean? We're going to unfold, you know, lift up the the, the, the kimono, so to speak, and see what's happening. So yeah. we'll see how it, how it goes here. I'm excited to take the next step with you guys and learn more about it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I always tend to close off our podcast with guests and talk a little bit about, and this is an old strategic coach habit, where we talk a little bit about um, books they're reading. And mm. I always am interested in what people are have uh, that they're digesting these days. Do you have a a book that you're you've been uh, mm -hmm. reading that's interesting that you'd like to share mm. well i'm always reading a whole bunch of books but in terms just as a resource for emotional intelligence if i wanted to recommend one oh, here yeah, it is perfect um it's called the eq edge emotional intelligence and your success uh so we believe in this so much that if every time somebody certifies with us we gift this okay and cool. it's like this is your you know this is your go-to for uh emotional intelligence so uh you Who's know i could listen other on it? um my apologies stephen stein okay and howard oh, book yeah and what, um, what so what's out of you going through what's the biggest takeaway you 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 enjoyed out of that book so uh, when 
I think really, as I talked about those concrete actions, because to your point, right, like this stuff seems so airy-fairy. Um, well, I would say that's one of our value propositions as well, is that we land the plane. Yeah. Like we might fly around up here, but at the end of the day, we land the plane. And yeah. what this book will give you is concrete strategies of what you can do in your day-to-day -day life to start to develop the aspects of your emotional intelligence that are important for you to develop. Yeah. So that's perfect. what I appreciate about it. Awesome. Well, I'm going to have to take a read through that. I haven't read it yet, so I'm always <laughs> excited when I get a new yeah. book to read. And uh, do you know if it's available on Audible? Don't know. Uh, I'll check it out. I don't know, but it, it's definitely on Amazon. So yeah, I would be shocked if it wasn't, but I just can't answer that question. Yeah, all good. I'll figure it out. We'll let our audience know later. Um, yeah, and so I, I guess just to, to wrap, Karen, if our audience wants to reach out to you, learn more, um, they're interested in uh, figuring out what this means for their leadership, their company, how you can mm -hmm. support them, what's the best way to do that? Uh, well, we're all over the place. Um, yeah. Our website is www.eqdevdevgroup.com. Um, our online learning system is www.myleadershiphub.com if you're interested in self-paced learning. Uh, I can be reached at karen at eqdevgroup.com. Always open to email uh, as well or info at eqdevgroup.com. So there's lots of ways to get us and Drew is the same uh, as well. But if you email info, that will make sure that it's directed properly or send it to me directly and I'll make sure everybody gets sorted out. That's perfect. I, uh, I know you're generous with your time and, uh, <laughs> and you're sharing your knowledge as I experienced on the plane from Kelowna with you and getting to know you. So thank you so much for your time today, Karen, and sharing your experience with our audience. I'm, I'm certain that uh, this is an area that many companies haven't explored deeper and after hearing you talk about this and bringing some shape to it and as you say helping understand that the plane is landable um it is <laughs> this is an area that i think companies should be exploring more deeply and uh especially in the accounting community you know there's lots mm -hmm. of stress there's lots of issues and things that go mm -hmm. on with a cyclical business like that that uh requires some some high emotionally intelligent people to get her done so I appreciate yeah. your time. Thank you. I, I look forward to maybe bumping into you again on a, another trip to Kona <laughs> and, uh, and spending some more time with you. So thanks again, Karen. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, um, this ends this edition of the Innovative Accountant Podcast. I hope our listeners enjoyed it. Thanks again, Karen. Thanks, Tim. All the best. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Innovative Accountant Podcast. We hope you enjoy the show and even learn something new. If you're interested in elevating your firm and transforming your client experience to create sustainable firm growth, get in touch with us by visiting integratedadvisory.ca to set up your free call with one of our integrated advisory experts. Visit integratedadvisory.ca today to set up your free call with an integrated advisory expert. Be sure to subscribe to the Innovative Accountant Podcast so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in for the next episode of the Innovative Accountant Podcast. Production of the podcast is by At Heart Creative and can be found online at atheartcreative.com.